Welcome to episode two of A Life in the Den. I'm Daniel Buckwalter, your host. This podcast is about living a life radically for Christ in Babylon. And today we're going to debunk the myth that obedience to Christ is legalism. As we get started, I don't want to undersell legalism. It is a very real danger to the church, and it's been around since the beginning. And the reality is, it's probably not going away anytime soon. But sadly, people have confused legalism with any strong desire for obedience. Legalism is like the boogeyman of the Western church. When anyone starts to pursue Christ and talk about following his teachings too much, we say, be careful, if you care about obeying Christ too much, legalism's gonna get ya, whatever that means. And legalism is a word that a lot of people don't like. But what exactly is legalism? Fred Zespel, he's a pastor and he's a doctorate in historical theology from Free University of Amsterdam, says it like this. Legalism is that attempt to establish or maintain a right standing with God by means of our own efforts. The Jews of Paul's day, for example, thought they could be saved by keeping the law. Anyone claiming to be Christian knows better than that. But even among believers, there is sometimes found that attempt to maintain a right standing with God by means of personal efforts. They seem to think that having been saved by grace, they must maintain that salvation by works, a.k.a. legalism. Still more broadly, the term is also used of those Christians who insist on extra-biblical standards of behavior and judge godliness accordingly. For some, it's zippers instead of buttons, no hair touching the ears for men, no jewelry for women, no slacks for women, no movies, no playing cards, worship music being exactly this way or having no instruments, and so on it goes. I'm sure you've heard of them. Extra-biblical standards of behavior are used to measure godliness. That is legalism. So, if that doesn't make sense, let me give you an example of what legalism is, and then maybe it'll help you understand obedience. Or, let me phrase that, let me give you an example of obedience and why it's not legalism. Let's put it this way. Imagine that you and I are playing soccer. We're in a close game, and it's coming down to the wire, and you're about to score the winning shot. And I just run up, grab the ball, run it to the other side of the field, I push your goalie over because he's a chump, and I throw it in the goal. I imagine that you're going to say I cheated and that what just happened is not fair. And I respond, well, I followed the rules most of the game. Don't be such a legalist. You would look at me like I am so dumb. Because you'd be like, I'm not being a legalist. I'm just trying to follow the rules of the game. You would simply say you're asking me to follow the rules. Much so in the same, following the way of the life of the kingdom of God is not legalism. It's just living how Jesus has called us to live. John Mark Cromer says this, Our war against the three enemies of the soul is not a war of guns and bombs. It's not against other people at all. It's a war on lies. And the problem is, less that we tell lies and more that we live them. We let false narratives about reality into our bodies and they wreak havoc in our souls. Now, I'm not here to talk about eschatology, but that passage basically makes a point. That when we let lies live and they come into our life, 
they destroy us from the inside out. And we have been sold a lie in the church that obedience is legalism. And it's important to debunk, especially if you're going to go on the journey of being a disciple. Because almost any time you start talking to someone about being obedient to Christ, legalism is going to come up in the conversation. But even more important than that, obedience is not something the church can afford to lose. If you think back to episode one, I said that you cannot find a disciple who is not obedient to the teachings of Jesus. So let's look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. It says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the parent loves the child. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For the love of God is this, that we obey his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God conquers the world, and this is the victory that conquers the world, our faith. Who is it that conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And this passage is really basically saying that if you love God, you'll love his son. And if you love the son and you love God, you'll obey the you'll obey them. You'll, you'll follow what they've called you to do. But if that's not enough for you, let's look at John chapter 14, verse 23 through 24. It says, Jesus answered them, those who love me will keep my word or obey my word and my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine, but it is from the father who sent me. I feel like this is just super clear. If you love God, you will obey him. And so if you're a disciple of Jesus, you should love Jesus because you want to be basically Jesus. And so you will keep what Christ has called you to do. So why is obedience to Christ not legalism? What's the difference? Putting it simply, legalism is the belief that your actions are what justify you, that obeying certain rules and regulations are what provide your salvation. While obedience is the expression of your true authentic love for Christ through obeying his teachings. But don't just take me at my word. Quite frankly, I'm fallible. So let's dive into my argument. A lot of the time, you'll hear Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, to argue against being obedient to Christ. They'll say, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. And the people who think obedience matters will often respond with James chapter 2, verse 26, which says, for just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. So who is right? Well, I would say maybe we're asking the wrong question. These are not competing ideas, but they're supplementary to one another. Because yes, we are not saved by works. We're not saved by legalism. We're saved by belief in Christ. But what James 2 is saying is that if you claim to have faith in God and claim to believe in Christ, but your life does not have the works of Christ, you're not being obedient to the teachings of Jesus, then you don't really have faith. You've deceived yourself. You've lied to yourself. You can never work yourself to salvation. You will never be good enough. You have sinned and fallen short, and it's only through belief in Christ that you can be a part of the kingdom of God. It's just that if you don't actually have the works of Christ and the fruit of the Spirit, then you don't really have faith. You don't actually believe in the God you claim to believe in, because if you believed, you'd follow his teachings. So let's finish with two more pieces of scripture, if you'll bear with me. And if you won't, that really feels like more of a you problem and a little bit less on me. 
You know, one of the most famous passages in the Bible is Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. And it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is powerful. But what it says that I want to really grab in onto here is teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. To go and make disciples is to one, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But two, to teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Or a way that Dallas Willard says it is to lead them into doing everything I have told them to do. So I know I'm really hitting the nail on the head over again with that passage. You're saying, okay, yes, obedience matters. But now maybe you're thinking, Daniel, that was a great theology lesson. But what the heck do I do with all that information? Well, let's talk about how this affects us practically and what it means to live it out. Because just doing rules and following the teachings of Jesus won't do anything for you. You could somehow, although I would argue it's not going to happen, follow all the basic behavioral teachings of Christ, and it would do nothing for you in the grand scheme of things. Now, it would probably make your life better because you'd be living in the way that God wanted you to, but you wouldn't know God. You see, Mark 12, verse 30 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. So a lawyer had just come up and was talking to Jesus and asked him, okay, well, what is the greatest commandment? And what's being said here is that we are to love Christ with everything that we have. And so if you go back to that definition I gave, obedience is the expression of your true authentic love for Christ through obeying his teachings. We are not saved by our actions. We're saved by loving and following Christ. And so when it comes to the difference between legalism and obedience, a lot of it is about what your heart is set upon. Are you doing something out of your love and respect and adoration for Christ? Or are you, are you doing it because you're trying to avoid punishment or out of fear or to, to please your pastor or your parents? It's, it's not about the action in itself. Our actions don't save us. Our holiness does not come from what we do. It comes from, from Christ. And we're called to love Christ. So we do not obey out of fear or rules and regulations, but of love and respect for who Christ is and in understanding that Christ would never call us to do something that is not good. Any commandment of God Anything that Christ has called his followers to do is something that is good for us. It's something that we should do. See, we should pursue obedience with the understanding that we will fail and that God's grace will be with us. But that does not excuse intentionally living into sin and not striving for perfection. So the way I would say it like this is most of us probably will never be perfect in action every moment of every day. But we are called to make every single effort, do everything in our power to do that, to walk in step with the Spirit, to study and obey God's Word, to live in Christian community and follow the teachings of Scripture. When sin comes into our lives and we come face to face with these things that we do that aren't in the teachings of Christ, we're called to do everything in our power to stop doing those things. It's not simply good enough to just sit there and not try your very, very best to make every effort. And you know what? Maybe you do make every effort. 
and you still fail. Well, luckily, God's grace is enough. Our job is to the best of our ability to actively live into establishing the kingdom of, of sorry, to establish the kingdom of God on earth. So how do we do that? John Mark Comer would say this. For those of us who follow Jesus, we choose for our own free will to place ourselves under external authority that God himself as has mediated through scripture and to a degree our church. We do this because we believe authority is not inherently oppressive, but similar to parenting for children, a training ground for us to learn how to master our flesh and grow into people of love. And we do this through trusted sources of authority. We get access to reality, and when authority is used well, with wisdom and compassion, we grow and mature into the kind of people who live in congruence with reality. And as a result, we have the capacity to handle even more freedom. That's a really fancy way of saying we choose to obey the word of God, that we go and do it, that no matter what Christ says, we choose to obey it because we love Christ. Now, a question that might come out of this is, so do I not love God if I don't want to do all the things he has called me to do? Long story short, don't be silly. You can love God without wanting to do all the things he wants you to do. But Despite the fact that there are things that sometimes Christ calls us to do that we don't want to do, we should be reluctantly obedient because obeying the teachings is the most important thing. And the reality is, with a lot of teachings of Christ, you're not really going to get them until you do them. Sometimes you have to obey to understand. There are things that can only be understood from the inside. God's word testifies to its veracity by the effects, the outcomes, the results, it produces when its principles are implemented. God's law looks and feels different from the inside than it does from the outside. Once you embrace its stunning vision of life as relational integrity, God's law feels liberating rather than restricting. Obedience to God's word places you in a position of commitment to people above and beyond your feelings, and sometimes contrary to them. You know, a quick story, I'm a new husband, and I am still figuring out the husband thing. I fail at being a good husband a lot. But something I try to do every day is I try to get up and make the bed. I never want to make the bed. For the first 24 and a half years of my life, I never made my bed. I think my parents tried to convince me to do it and they could never get me to do it consistently. But my amazing wife, Emma, wants the bed made. And she feels so much happier when she comes into the bedroom and sees the bed is made. And honestly... I enjoy the bed more when it's made. It's better to sit down and read a book on or relax and chill or or watch a movie on, you know, when it's made and not just all messy and dirty. Even though I don't want to make the bed, I do it out of love for Emma and because I know it's better for us. And in the same way, we are meant to love Christ so much that even when we don't want to obey his teachings, even when we don't understand them, just like I didn't understand the point of making a bed until recently. We do them anyways. And then much to your surprise, if you do things like this, you're going to learn that you are acting in the only manner that has the power to create positive feelings between yourself and others. My wife loves me much more when I make the bed. And when you live into the kingdom of God and the teachings of Jesus, you'll find that people see something different about you. Or maybe another way to say this 
is this. John Mark Comer says, if I stay in my constraints and let them do their work, if I consider that my duty to follow through on my commitments is just as authentic as my feelings or desires, then my constraints have the potential to set me free from the tyranny of my own flesh and forge me into a person of love. Really what he's saying is, when we recognize that it is more real and it's more congruent with the truth and the way the world is supposed to function to follow the teachings of Jesus and that when we do them, we are freed from our fleshly desires and ourself and our sinful ways of life and we fully get to experience the world. And I promised you guys that we'd get down to the practice of it. And, you know, maybe this last half felt like another theology lesson. So here are some ways you can start. The first one and the most simple thing is to open scripture and read it. And when you read it, reading it in context, obey the things it calls you to do. Look at the words of Jesus and ask yourself, am I doing what Jesus has told me to do? Read the epistles in the way the church is called to live and ask myself, am I living into these ways? And so read a passage and then set a goal of how you're going to try to obey what that passage has taught you. Another more complicated thing you could do is set a rule of life. John Mark Comer is a big proponent of this. He says your Christian community should have a communal rule of life that you set where you say, this is what we believe it means to follow Jesus. And here's what we're going to hold each other accountable to. But there's way more ways to do that because the real way to cultivate a deeper love for Christ is to start practicing spiritual disciplines. And maybe you've heard that word before or that phrase before, or maybe it's new to you. Well, we do not have enough time in this podcast to completely dive in to what the spiritual disciplines are, why you should practice them, and some good ones to practice and how they formed me and have formed other people. So if you want to learn more about how you can fully learn to love God and obey him for the right reasons, because the reality is, if you try to just cultivate in somebody an obedience, you're going to get a legalism where they're obeying because it's the rules and they're not obeying out of love for Christ. So really our challenge is to create one, a community where we do hold people accountable and call people to be obedient, but to really not to accumulate and create a list of rules that our community has to follow, but rather grow a love for Christ in the hearts of our people to a point where anytime they find a teaching of Jesus, they'll want to follow it and be obedient to it. And this comes through spiritual disciplines. So join us next week as we dive into what are spiritual disciplines, what's the history of them, and what are some ones that you can start practicing in your life to grow in your relationship with God and to love Him more. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Life in the Den. I hope that you've enjoyed your time with me and that you've gained valuable insights and perspectives that help you in your pursuit of following Christ. If you like this episode, be sure to share it with your friends and family and give us a rating and review. Join us next week as we continue to explore and grow together in our faith. Until then, keep following Jesus, and I'll see you next time.